Explore the heart and soul of Outback Australia with Vision Tours. Travel to fantastic destinations like Broken Hill, Coobapedi, Uluru and Alice Springs. Visiting local churches and meeting people spreading God's word in remote communities. The Salt and Light Tour, in conjunction with Bush Church Aid, is a holiday that celebrates our faith. Join like-minded people from July 28 with Vision Tours. See full details at vision.org.au slash tours. Life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 on Vision. As we do on a Monday, always good to touch base with the Australian Christian Lobby and good to be able to welcome back to 2020 Dan Flynn, the Chief Political Officer of the ACL. Dan, welcome back to 2020. Thanks very much, Neil. Great to be here. Hey, Dan. Uh, in Victoria, Premier Daniel Andrews has admitted that it was he who made uh, what's being termed a captain's call to impose an evening curfew on Victorians. Uh, what are your thoughts around the developments over the weekend and, and how things look for Victorians? Very interesting, Neil. You know, freedoms are precious and uh, for a curfew to be imposed, uh, you know, 8 o'clock and now it's going to be 9pm because there's a bit more sunshine. We're meant to be thankful to Daniel Andrews for that. I think um, he's taking away freedoms too lightly. And so I'm concerned about uh, this curfew. I'm concerned about... Uh, Daniel Andrews' instincts on this, uh, that it wasn't based on science uh, and uh, you know none of those uh, professional advisors uh, advised him to do it. Um, I'm very concerned about this and I'm concerned about the instincts uh, of the Premier in this regard and, and probably, um, you know, in relation to the lockdown more generally. Um, the numbers are stubborn, uh, in their 40s in Victoria, Neil, very stubborn. Uh, we might have hit 39 yesterday. Um, these numbers do need to come down, um, but the, um, the lockdowns do seem too harsh. I do think Daniel Andrews is getting the message and certainly lifting uh, some um, of the restrictions in regional Victoria uh, is a great idea, uh, but he'll, he'll need to do that more quickly because uh, public opinion... Uh, has moved against him. Uh, people very concerned about uh, being locked in their homes after nine o'clock tonight, uh, when they may have a long day, long day at work, and merely want to take the the dog for a walk um, along the beach uh, or in the park. Uh, they're not going to give COVID to anybody, but uh, they're locked in their home. Um, it's 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 really not satisfactory. Dan, those sorts of things are always important to consider, but things go a little deeper, don't they? You've seen all of the images, no doubt, that lots of our listeners might have done as watching TV and people under very heavy-handed arrest procedures by police because they're in a park and they might have been there for a protest and that's got its own issues. But uh, when people are dragged out of their cars in what looks like a very violent fashion, uh, because they refuse to give their name to a police officer or uh, there's even some image of someone having their head uh, kicked by a police officer. How do we as Christians process this sort of thing and is this the source of the anger of Victorians? What are your thoughts? Look, people are concerned that there's a heavy hand of this coming from the top, from the government, uh, from the Premier and uh, it's it's you know coming down through the police. People are concerned about that. Um, I'm a big fan of the police uh, myself personally. Uh, I know they get up and go to work each day to do a great job. 
Uh, we don't know the whole story, and sometimes there can be, uh, you know, aspects of this we don't see. So um, I'm I'm quite supportive of the police, but I am concerned about the role that they've been placed in, which may in fact lead to sort of an overflow of frustrations uh, at um, uh, people because they're, um, you know, these police are perhaps, you know, overworked, um, doing jobs they're just not actually happy to do, um, which may lead to a sort of an outburst of frustration. Um, but, you know, we're, we're not only seeing it in Victoria, Neil, we're, we're seeing some terrible things. Um, we certainly had last week uh, in, um, in New South Wales with the sad case of that young nurse and her father's funeral. You know, I'm with you on this, Dan. I love the police. They do a fabulous job. That thin blue line between uh, order and chaos, uh, they are just fabulous people. And I think, uh, you know, obviously, as we think through these sorts of things, we recognise that police are following orders. So it does come back to uh, those orders that come from the top. Uh, Let's come back to the curfew just for a few moments, because there's going to be some easing of the curfew by an hour. Uh, But the idea of a captain's call... Uh, whenever there's been accusations of captains' calls in the past, and this happens a lot with leaders, there's always a yeah. connection between the captain's call and what we'd understand as an abuse of power. I wonder whether you've got any thoughts around you know, the fact that we have leaders, we hope that they can be decisive, but when they overstep the mark, somehow or other they have to be held to account. Uh, what are your thoughts here? Well, I think the leader steps out of a consultative environment uh, too far, then, um, you know, that, that, that sort of sense of uh, isolation or autonomy of that leader in a democracy is very concerning. Um, so uh, people are not happy to see that he's, he's not listening, not taking advice on this, but, um, you know, making his own call. Uh, yes, when there have been captain's calls, uh, they tend to go badly uh, for prime ministers and premiers uh, because uh, they, they are not taking the public with them. And uh, this is a concern here. Um, and, you know, the curfew it makes policing easier, but that, that can be no criteria for a curfew uh, because um, uh, you can certainly reduce the police force probably by 20% if we had 8pm curfews across the country and save the government a lot of money. But it's just not an acceptable um, limitation of freedom. Yeah, very concerning. So uh, in commun- in Victoria, obviously, community anger. Uh, I did see some report uh, that, you know, if, uh, if Daniel Andrews was up for election now, he probably would lose an election. But uh, two years away before another state election in Victoria, I guess Victorians just got to suck it up and, and push through here and, and hope there's no other big captain captain's calls that uh, turn out to be abuse of powers. I wonder whether it might be worthy just to draw attention to a, a Christian ideal here that when you're not so happy with what the leaders do, the call is to pray for our leaders. Uh, whether we like the leaders or whether we don't like the leaders, uh, for Christian believers, we're called to pray. Any thoughts around that, Dan? I love that you've said that, Neil. Um, that is such a beautiful response and such a useful response. And, um, you know, if a Christian were to come in contact uh, with Daniel Andrews today, if there'd been prayer among the community, uh, then that engagement um, would, would may well be a good engagement, um, empowered by the prayer of people. So we tend to go first to criticism and then forget prayer. 
Uh, but praying for our leaders is absolute key here. Um, and a leader who's prayed for um, will feel the blessing of God, will feel uh, the, the impact of God, their conscience uh, may be um, awakened uh, to make better decisions. Uh, so full marks, Neil, for bringing that up. Uh, that must be our encouragement at this time. As we look at Daniel Andrews every day, uh, giving his media update, uh, we should be praying for that man, um, the God will turn his heart. I think the point you're making is that he seems to be making all the decisions. Uh, we need to especially uh, pray that God uh, turns his heart and, and um, you know, is really able to work through Daniel Andrews because he is, in fact, the leader of Victoria at the moment. There's not much we can do about it uh, except pray and uh, pray for wise people to have his ear. He does boast of being Australia's most progressive political leader in the sense of what would be a connection to his left-leaning socialism, and that often means that he's open to the sorts of agendas that come from minority groups, particular political groups that have their own identity. And there is an issue that is growing in Melbourne right now around the idea of drug use advocates pushing for a third injecting room. And they still haven't got the second one set up. So there's there's going to be groups putting pressure on the Premier in Victoria to push their agendas much, much harder. What are your thoughts about another injecting room planned for St Kilda? It's a bizarre idea. Sydney has one and has had one for a long time. Uh, it has a, a terrible impact on the amenity of that part of Sydney. Uh, it's a notorious uh, area, that area of King's Cross. And uh, what these injecting rooms do... They attract drug dealers. They attract uh, users from other parts of uh, the city, and they become, you know, really um, honeypots uh, for, for, you know, for crime, uh, for drug dealers. So uh, the idea that we would have a second one, uh, that we'd put it in St Kilda, um, you know, is, is a terrible idea. The one in Richmond's not working. Um, people who are on drugs ought to be rehabilitated, um, not encouraged in their use. And when you have a safe injecting room, it sends a message to young people that illicit drugs are safe. You know, Neil, you and I, uh, and most of our listeners appreciate uh, that illicit drugs are never safe, particularly for young people. Well, the idea of getting open-air drug-taking off the streets uh, sounds like a good one. It seems that it, uh, however has an opposite effect. It seems to increase activity, especially around those centres, and uh, people feel unsafe when they live nearby a, uh, one of those injecting rooms. You know, I, I checked on, uh, you know, I thought, uh, let's, a little comparison here between what are, uh, you know, other uh, cities in the world that might consider themselves very progressive, and like the city of San Francisco. I did a quick Google, uh, be new at knowing yeah. that we'd talk about this today, and uh, just to check on uh, the San Francisco and what they do uh, for injecting rooms. And, you know, what not even that most progressive city compares to Melbourne they have no injecting rooms in San Francisco uh, there's an interesting little comparison there and I'm not sure how valuable that might be but it gives us some way to just sort of contextualize the way things go in our cities in Australia so far as injecting rooms well make no mistake about it Neil this is driven by Fiona Patton uh, who um, is a, a, a cannabis uh, user she believes that all drugs should be decriminalised and she is driving this momentum that a second injecting room is a very personal agenda. 
and um, uh, she has a lot of influence in the upper house in Victoria, and uh, that's very concerning. Um, so that's where this is coming from. Uh, let's change a little direction here and uh, look at the state of Queensland for a few moments because um, the woman who was not permitted to come into the state of Queensland for her father's funeral has been allowed to view the body and uh, the Premier's claims that she was bullied by the Prime Minister uh, for saying she should have been able to go to the funeral. What are your thoughts around uh, some of the, you know, what seemed to be hypocrisy here that's happening in the state of Queensland? I think your listeners would have been horrified by the images of young uh, Sarah Kasich uh, being, emerging from some government van in full PPE, PPE gear, uh, arriving to uh, after a funeral to view um, her father's deceased father's body. Um, it, it looked like she was held hostage like a terrorist. Uh, she comes from Canberra. Uh, there have been no cases of COVID here for 60 days. It's, it's, it's COVID-free. So she would not have COVID. Uh, she went into mandatory quarantine. Uh, but in terms of an exception for her, it, it was, um, would not have been a difficult decision. Um, I think what people are, people are very concerned about uh, this show of compassion, letting uh, you know, uh, her view her deceased uh, father's corpse, corpse, as Martin Niles said on this, even the compassion of the wicked is cruel, um, quoting Proverbs 12.10. So it's, it's simply not satisfactory to treat uh, this young nurse in this way. Uh, that will um, scar her for life, quite frankly, and it, it, it feels like a Berlin Wall moment. <clears throat> and then, of course, um, um, the Premier, um, uh, Palaszczuk, uh, she goes into victim mentality, uh, saying, A, she was bullied uh, by the Prime Minister. B, it's not a decision she can make anyway. Um, and C, um, uh, she's crying in the media um, statement the following day. Uh, so uh, that was her way of deflecting the blame for this. Uh, but clearly, uh, the Premier of the state uh, should have straightened that out, shouldn't have uh, passed the buck to others. Um, I feel desperately sorry for uh, Sarah and her family. Um, this has overtones uh, of the arrest of the young girl from Ballarat probably only about a week ago um, for uh, posting something on Facebook, um, arrested in her pyjamas in front of her children at home, handcuffed. Um, these sort of images, uh, enduring images uh, as we come out of this pandemic and um, governments need to stop uh, this type of behaviour, so that people feel free and they feel safe. And no one wants to be treated this way. We are a very egalitarian society. We like to think that, uh, you know, even the ordinary ones amongst us uh, will be treated equally with those who have a higher profile. And so you've got these comparisons, haven't you, with uh, AFL footballers. I mean, hundreds and hundreds of AFL footballers, teams, management, and movie stars who are given special preferential treatment to uh, to go into the state of Queensland, but uh, but you can't even go into the state to, to be a part of your father's funeral. These sorts of things get under our skin, Dan, and uh, they do appear to be uh, quite, you know, serious issues. Uh, they capture our imagination. We don't like this sort of uh, unequal treatment. Uh, what are your thoughts, uh, you know, for what might be coming? I think, uh, you know, there's there's some 
uh, provisions being made in place now to make more decisions like this and uh, whether it's just a one-off or whether there'll be more of these. But what are your thoughts around around this, this challenging time of, uh, of unequalness? The Queensland government is desperate to see this doesn't happen again. So they'll, they'll open up some more exemptions. They'll make sure there's never uh, another Sarah not being able to get to the funeral. They, they'll be desperate to avoid this optic again. Um, people are just, just outright angry that uh, then the, uh, the relevant health officer, the chief health officer, would say the day, day or two following the funeral, look, the reason we let the AFL people in is that they bring a lot of money into the economy and we need money now. Um, that uh, doesn't cut it for uh, mum and dad at home with the family. Uh, that's outrageous. Um, Sarah should have gone to that funeral. Uh, there should be no preferential treatment for movie stars and AFL players. Um, you know, we're all the same. And if the government is favouring uh, one particular group over a mere uh, individual, uh, then most people know we're all mere individuals. And that's how we'll be treated quite shabbily. Uh, so... Yeah, very disappointing. Uh, let's hope this doesn't happen again. It's a lesson learned. And uh, yes, once again, this idea that you know whether you like your political leaders or not, uh, the call is to pray for them. Hey, just quickly, one more uh, issue for a quick comment here. Uh, just uh, casting our sights overseas, where the U.S. President Donald Trump has been twice nominated for the Nobel Peace Prize for his work securing peace deals for Israel, with Israel's Prime Minister flying to Washington this Tuesday to sign a peace agreement with yet another nation, Bahrain. Uh, These sorts of things are are pretty significant, going under the radar where the sort of left-leaning progressive media are tending not to want to uh, give that much airtime, but it's a pretty significant thing, isn't it, Dan? Very significant, Neil. You, You do well to highlight it. Uh, you know, international peace uh, of this scale is very, very significant. Uh, you know, Donald Trump will be uh, criticised for a tweet uh, that, that is not peaceful, that may be, um, you know, agitating his his uh, political enemies. But these types of international deals uh, that are brokered uh, with Israel are very, very difficult to do. Um, and um, clearly the president and his advisers have, have taken a great focus and a great energy to do this, and they must be applauded. Uh, he's probably quite a worthy recipient uh, for the Nobel Peace Prize. Uh, it'll be a test of, our, of the institution uh, as to whether he even gets, uh, uh, you know, in the shortlist, um, uh, given that he's, um, uh, you know, a conservative, uh, given that there's an election coming up, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Uh, the media won't give him much of a run, uh, but um, no matter what we think of uh, President Donald Trump, these are very significant uh, peace deals brokered, uh, which would fit him well for that prize. Well, Dan Flynn, always good getting your insights. Let me point people to the ACL website, the Australian Christian Lobby, acl.org.au. Dan Flynn is the Chief Political Officer at the Australian Christian Lobby. Dan, thanks so much for your update today on 2020. Thank you, Neil, and thank you to your listeners. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.